It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode, we welcome Mike Foster to the show, and we discuss a concept he calls the primal question that stems from his book, The Seven Primal Questions. In our discussion with Mike, he shares how we can heal from past hurts and understand our emotional needs and gifts in a transparent way. With this new awareness, you can stop being held hostage by old wounds and patterns and start living with new purpose and perspective. Mike Foster is a best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach empowering people to build strong lives and relationships. His new book, The Seven Primal Questions, is a revolutionary new way to understand our emotional needs. Based on over four years of research and 6,000 hours of one-on-one interviews, the primal question model will transform your relationship with yourself and others. Mike's work has been featured on Good Morning America, Fox News, and the New York Times. He lives in San Diego with his wife, Jennifer, and their fluffy dog. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. We're grateful that you're here. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University, professor and family life specialist alongside Dr. Liz Hill, our licensed clinical psychologist. We're dedicating this podcast to bring you the best research, the resources, and some tips and tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. Okay, Liz, super excited about our our guest today. He is known as the Mr. Rogers of personal development. He's a best-selling author, a speaker, an executive coach, empowering people to build strong lives and close relationships. Welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection, Mike Foster. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. We are, too. Yeah, we are eager as well. You know, I'm going to jump right in. Mike, now... There's four years of research and 6,000 hours of one-on-one interviews that have taken place that led up to your primal question model. Now, so I'm just going to, right off the bat, can you help our listeners understand a little bit, what what are we talking about? These primal uh, questions. Lead us through a little bit about what you mean and where all this came from. Yeah, so basically, uh, kind of in a very quick and summary nutshell, uh, in our early childhood, we are imprinted with one a uh, core primal question. And basically what has happened is perhaps that question went unanswered. Perhaps that question that we were asking as kids was answered in the negative, or perhaps trauma played a part in forming and imprinting a question upon our lives. And then what happens is we take that primal question from our childhood, we carry it into our adult lives, and we subconsciously ask this in all of our relationships, especially in our romantic relationships or with our spouse. And when the answer to our primal question comes back as a yes, the person answers it with a yes, we feel good. We feel grounded. We feel our bet like our best selves. But when it's answered with a no or a maybe, what happens is we go into what I call the scramble and write about this in the book. And this is really all the unhealthy ways 
that we try to force the answer back to a yes. So perhaps our spouse, uh, again, none of this may be intentional in terms of our relationships and how the person is answering, but we're receiving it as a no or a maybe. And that's going to bring out the worst in us because now we're in these unhealthy coping mechanisms, unhealthy behaviors to try to force uh, the answer back to a yes. And so what happens is fundamentally, uh, and what I talk about in the book is these seven questions are the hidden programming of our lives. And once we can understand the one question that's driving our life that we keep asking again, subconsciously over and over again, we can then bring that to the surface, start working with it, understand like when we're talking to our spouse, how, how can we help our spouse answer our primal question with a yes versus uh, our spouse unintentionally uh, answering it with a no or a maybe. And so it's fundamental. Like I do a lot of couples counseling. It's fundamental to the work that we do uh, in understanding our spouse and how to, how to strengthen our marriage. Mm, Okay. So can you give us some examples of, of some of these, these questions? Yeah, so so basically each of the questions, kind of in, a, in simple terms, Dave and Liz, they represent a our highest emotional need that we have as a human being. And so, mm-hmm. um, and when this emotional need is met, we again we are our best selves. But when there's when it's not being met in our lives, then we get into the scramble. So here are the seven questions, and there's a specific order. Okay. Uh, Uh, Question number one is, am I safe? And that's actually my primal question. And my primal question got imprinted through because of uh, childhood abuse that I experienced as a child. And so my whole life, all of my relationships, my marriage, I am managing my safety. Okay. And so I need to be aware that the question, am I safe, is a very important question that I that I've got to sort of lead myself and make sure that that question's in a healthy place. Question number two, am I secure? This is really has to do with financial resources. Do I have enough financial resources to protect myself? So these are people who were I was just watching a video with uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and they were asking him what drives him, what is the thing of why he's the biggest movie star in the world right now. And he opened up and he was just sharing about how the, the, the most uh, poignant memory that he has from his childhood is how he was afraid that they weren't going to be able to pay rent at the end of the month. Um, and so if you look at Dwayne's life, yes, it's a, it, he's incredibly successful. He's incredibly rich. He has all kinds of, you know, flying around a private jet, what have you. But the driver of him is he is just trying to answer his primal question with a yes. Am I secure? Do I have enough resources? Yes. And when it's answered with a no, he goes into his scramble. Question number three, am I loved? This is about being seen, known, and heard. Question number four, am I wanted? This is about uh, pursuit, uh, inclusion. Do you want me here? Um, Belonging. Uh, question five is around success. Am I successful? And so these these folks tend to grow up in very competitive homes. Okay, they got imprinted where life is basically a competition, and winning is the goal. Uh, winners win, and failure is not an option. And so these people are very driven by the pursuit of success and getting their 
primal question of am I successful answered with a yes. Uh, question six is am I good enough? These people tend to grow up in homes where uh, had parents who were perhaps overly critical, uh, perfectionistic, and you never felt like you were measuring up. And so you, you then carry that question in your adulthood and you keep ask, subconsciously ask this. And when uh, you get criticized, that sends you that sends you into your scramble. And then question seven, do I have purpose? And this is really what I found with this question is a lot of people who grew up in religious homes where faith was a really important part of their childhood. They got imprinted with this question because mom and dad were talking about you're going to make a real impact in the world. You're going to do something big for God. You know, this kind of language. And none of this is necessarily bad or evil or anything like that. But it got confusing for you as a child knowing, okay, well, is it, is it a purposeful enough life to um, be working as a middle manager at IBM or do I need to be in Africa digging wells and saving people? You know, so that's where that kind of angst of meaning and purpose and significance kind of gets played out with question seven. But those are the seven questions. There's a lot to say about those seven questions, but that's a quick snapshot of, of the seven that, that uh, drive our lives. Wow. Love it. Super helpful. Yeah. As a foundation, really, for our discussion. Thank you. I, I was wonderful knowing that you do so much marriage counseling. Mike, I didn't realize that. It's like you've offered us a new love language, right? You know, the five love languages. Here's, here's, uh, here's the seven, the seven questions of a love language. Can, can you say a little bit more about how you found that this impacts marriages? You really motivated me to want to give people this assessment and see what we can do with it in session. But how, how do you apply this concept in relationships, specifically marriage? Yeah. And, and Liz, if, if uh, those who are listening want to take the assessment, it's free. It's at my website at mikefoster.tv. And it takes about you know five minutes to do about 30 questions. And you'll know what your question is at the, uh, at the end of that assessment. But here's how I use it in, with couples all the time. Uh, Basically, my premise is this, uh, Liz and Dave, that marriages, relationships don't fail because we didn't have enough date nights or we didn't have, um, uh, you know, we, we had communication, some communication issues. Those are those are branches to um, to the roots of the tree. Fundamentally, what I say is relationships fail because your primal question was consistently answered with a no or a maybe. Because fundamentally, we can't be in a relationship with somebody who consistently, whether on purpose or accidentally, continues to answer a primal question with a no. Because basically what they're doing is um, they're, they're not meeting my highest emotional need as a human being so I can show up into that relationship as my best self. So I'll give you an example with me and my wife. My wife's primal question is, am I loved? She grew up with a, a you know, she's the fourth kid, latchkey kid, kind of felt uh, overlooked. Uh, but one of the things that happened with her mom is that her mom talked over her all the time. Didn't really listen to her. Wasn't really, you know, uh, dialing into my wife's uh, dreams, goals, crafts that she would do at school. It, it just... Uh, it was unfortunate. And this doesn't, by the way, this doesn't make our parents bad people. That's right. This doesn't make my mother-in-law a bad person. It just happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my wife uh, took 
took an interpretation of that to come to the conclusion of wondering whether she was loved or not. So how does that play out in my marriage? Well, I have to find key ways and really clear ways to make sure that I'm answering Jennifer's question, am I loved, with a yes. So we sit down and I say, Jennifer, tell me, how can I answer your primal question of am I loved with a yes? Well, she would say two things. Listening to me, don't don't look like my mom when we're talking, okay? Listen to me and be present with me. So as a husband, two things that I have to do really well with her is I got to listen and I got to, and I got to be present with her. Okay. Now with her, I have to explain to her, how does she answer my primal question with a yes? Okay. Well, she's going to answer my primal question by telling me the truth and I want clarity on our budget. She handles the finances because when I'm not sure the financials and things of that nature are in place, I get activated. But then also I get activated when she sometimes leans into her passive aggressive communication style and I'm asking her what's wrong and she tells me nothing. <laughs> and I know there's something wrong, but she's telling mm-hmm. me, so now I'm confused. Now I'm uncertain. I feel like I'm not getting the truth from her and that's going to send me into my scramble because I'm not feeling safe. I feel like something's wrong and I'm and I don't know how to fix it. Okay. So once we had started tuning to the question versus all the other drama nonsense items that we can talk about as a couple, like if something's going wrong in my marriage, I know it is the primal question at play. And that's where I need to dial in my conversation with my spouse. Safe and secure sounds so similar, right? Am I safe? Am I secure? They are a little bit, Mm. right? Yeah. So the the main difference there is, um, and one of the things that I talk about in the book is this idea of our satellite question. So often the question next to our primal question is going to be very relevant. And really Mm. the way I, I describe it as the satellite question is the way that we go about getting our primal question answered with a yes. So for me, financial security, which is question two, is very important for me feeling safe, okay? But still, am I safe is my primal question. But the main difference is, um, whereas the rock would be very, like his focus is on finances, my focus is just really about overall, do do I have, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to be protected? His was much more of a uh, financial picture of ha- that he has about his life. Again, there are some pretty uh, specific distinctions I go through in the book, um, but for sure the question that's next to your question is also going to be very relevant to the needs that you have as an individual. Very good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Mike, I, there's a lot of parents who are listening in right now, and they're thinking, man, you know, either they're kind of thinking how they were parented, and I can see some of them thinking about, okay, how does this affect me right now? Because I'm kind of imprinting, right? That these I have these kids, maybe some of them have these little kids or teenagers. How does this affect, this primal question affect um, parenting, co-parenting together? Yes. So, uh, Dave, one of the things that happens is, um, and this is really the good news about the, the primal question model, is this isn't something that's necessarily wrong with you. There's nothing broken. There's nothing here to fix. 
The only problem is when we're unaware of its power and influence in our lives, and we don't have the language to be able to uh, lead ourselves and to communicate that to our spouse or the people that are important to us. So what one of the, the beautiful things about the primal question is we will take our primal question and we will put it over everybody else that we meet and assume that they're asking the exact same question as we are. So they may be asking a very different primal question. So when I attune to people, I'm attuning to everybody around safety and helping them feel safe, which is makes which is why I'm a uh, this is why people tell me their deepest, darkest secrets after knowing me for five minutes, because I'm doing something to make them feel safe and, and protected where they can open up and tell me. So how this impacts my parenting or your parenting or, or the listener's parenting style is we take our primal question and we place it over our child and we parent to our primal question. So when I, I have my kids are older now, they're 24 and 21 years old. But when they were little kids, my main parenting style with my kids was safety, okay? I wanted to make sure my kids were safe. So I'm the one calling up uh, uh, the, the parents where they're spending the night uh, on a Friday mm-hmm. night and, and get investigating. Is, who are you? I want to know who you are. What's the plan? You know, um, who's going to be there? I'm doing all the safety stuff because, again, I'm taking my primal question and putting that over my kids. Or my my uh, wife, her parenting style was around love because her primal question is, am I love? Love. So my kids know, like, she's all about making sure that the kids know that they're loved and valued. And she's a great listener and she listens to them and she sees them. And so one of the things that we need to be aware of as parents is we're going to take our natural tendency is take our primal question, parent to that question. But what I tell parents is that good parenting is not just answering our primal question with a yes, but all seven questions with a yes. And even better parenting is actually understanding what our child's primal question is. What question are they actually asking instead of us just taking our question and putting on top of them? What question are they asking that as a parent I can now affirm and answer yes to? Yeah, yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah, I see what you're so saying. It's a whole new language, Mike. It truly is. I think the three of us agree that emotional needs are really important. And um, but why? How do you explain why emotional needs are so important? Please, Mike. Yeah, well, I think you know the just the sense of um, you know. Unfortunately, we live in a society where emotions and feelings are judged, labeled, and um, you know, just looked down upon, right? I don't want to seem needy, right? But but what I believe in terms of my work with 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 clients, but also in my own life, is when I can actually understand my emotions and feelings, when I can communicate my emotions and feelings, everybody wins. But when I'm burying these things, when I'm I'm covering these things up, when I'm not talking to my spouse about what I need. Uh, things just fundamentally don't work. And listen, guys, I, I look at the, the need of, of of safety. I'm like, oh man, what a what a wuss I must be, right? Why uh, I'm a I'm a grown man. I'm six four, two hundred ten pounds. It's like safety. Why do you need safety? Why is that so important to you? Just you know, be a man. Like this kind of 
this, this stigmatizing of our emotional needs happens all the time. But I look at it from a strictly strategic standpoint. It's like, when I feel safe, I'm going to be the best Mike Foster, okay? When I don't feel safe, I'm going to be living in my scramble and my wife is going to have to deal with that. My kids are going to have to deal with that. The people I work with are going to have to deal with that. And that's fundamentally how I don't want to show up. And so if, if I can just be smart about my emotional needs, naming them, communicating them, everybody's going to benefit from that. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. I, I love your uh, thought about scramble. Is there a simple way just to, to tell us what that is? To talk to us a little bit more about the scramble? When the, when the answer is either no or maybe, right? Am I love? Mm, no or maybe? Yeah, so it, it looks different for all of us depending on... Um, basically, the scramble is the ways that we decided as kids to get our primal question answered with a yes. So they can sometimes, our scramble can sort of be effective at some level, but it has a really high cost. And honestly, it's a kid solution versus, versus a healthy adult solution. So like my scramble could look like, um, you know, control, like over control. If I, can, if I can take control of something, then I'll feel safe. Or my scramble could look like hypervigilance if I can know all of the details, notice everything there is to know about something, then I'll feel safe. Well, these are all sort of um, kid, kid logic solutions that have a lot of a high cost to that. Hypervigilance has a lot of exhaustion attached to it, okay? A lot of stress and anxiety attached to it. So what, what we want to do is we definitely want to have that question, our question answered with a yes, but we don't want to use scramble tactics. We want to use tactics that are more healthy. Like for me, one of the things that helps me feel safer is to actually just talk with somebody about it, to communicate about it versus me, you know, trying to figure something out, trying to figure out my, what my wife's really thinking. That's my scramble. That's my hypervigilance. She just, she didn't smile when I just said that. She must be unhappy with me. Instead of just, hey, Jen, are you angry at me about something? Can we talk about this? This is, this is what healthy adults do versus our scramble is all the kind of 
kid strategies that we learned in our childhood to get our answer, our, our primal question answer with a yes. We don't have to live that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. I'm excited. I'm excited to bring this into couples counseling, Dave. <laughs> It'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have Ben take it and you and Jamie might want to do it too. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. This, this is great. Now, Mikey, take us a, a step further and tell us how does the primal question influence our communication with our spell? And you kind of alluded to that a little bit with your example with, with you and your wife. Yeah. I think, you know, again, it's so easy, Dave, to get lost in the minutiae lost in things that happened two years ago that we're still bringing up into like, well, remember when you did this or remember when you did that, or we just unfortunately talk about the wrong things. And that's what I love about counseling and therapy is that it actually, a a counselor or therapist can bring accountability to keep a, a, a couple on track in terms of that communication because it's so easy to sort of slip into these these really unproductive conversations. And so one of the things I, I encourage couples to do in terms of their communication is imagine that their spouse is like wearing a sign around their neck with their primal question, okay? And all you have to do to have good communication with them is to make sure you're first affirming that question with a yes. And then you can really talk about anything. But until you've answered yes to their primal question, communication is just going to be very clunky. It's going to break down. There's going to be a lot of lot of messy things. So again, I, I, I use it as sort of the starting place of, um, you know, if, if let's say my primal question is, uh, am I good enough? Okay, question number six. If I don't feel like my spouse thinks I'm valued, if my spouse doesn't think I'm good, if my spouse thinks I'm flawed, what kind of communication are we going to have? Not very good communication. But if my spouse can come in and affirm first that I am good enough, that they do value me, that's going to open up the communication to a lot more vulnerability, a lot more openness and honesty. And so that's, that's again, start with the primal question, answer it with a yes, and then have the communication. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have actually ever put the sign on people, Mike, in, in your office? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, in fact, I, I was doing a, an intensive, uh, well, with 10, 10 people came, were at my house for the past two days on Friday and Saturday. And we did a kind of an exercise, an ex- experiential exercise where I just had them hold the couple, hold uh, their signs. And it was really interesting how quickly they would get off the conversation of their primal question and onto like the challenges or, well, you know, I don't like this about you or I don't like the way you say that, blah, blah, all this kind of stuff, right? And <laughs> we all know the stuff. Um, and all I had to do was just like guide them back to, are you answering this question right now? They're like, no, I guess I'm not answering this question. I'm off on a tangent. If we can come back to the primal question, that's going to keep, keep your relationship on track and it's going to keep the communication on track. So yes, like hold, like imagine like the sign, you hold it up. And what was fun when we were doing the exercise is this, they would be holding the sign and it would sort of 
they drop it a little bit, like more towards their waist. <laughs> and as soon as they started getting off topic, I said, okay, raise that sign up. Like, I put it right in front of your face so that they don't miss it. Like answer that mm-hmm. with a yes first before we talk about anything else. That's very cool. Yeah. When you take that great assessment and you have two, you know, they come comes up with two, right? Mine is, am I loved and do I have a purpose? Then do I kind of decide which one weighs a little more heavily, Mike, when you are generously given to Totally. Yeah. And again, the, the, the quiz is just a great kind of starting point. But one of the things that the book will do is kind of unpack and clarify some of your results and help you kind of dial that in. But there's sort of three things that we would be looking at. Uh, number one, your triggers. What are the things that trigger you or emotionally activate you, which is really your primal question being answered with a no. So what does that look like? What's going on? We look at kind of your family of origin. What was the thing that perhaps was confusing or missing? Uh, in your your um, childhood. And then the third thing that we would look at uh, to kind of dial in your question is, what is your message to the world? Because what I found in the research, Dave and Liz, is that the message that you that's most important to you uh, is, is the, the thing that you want other people to know, to know is really your highest emotional needs. So like, I want people to know that they're safe, that they're okay. Now, somebody who has a question of question seven, do I have purpose might be, I want you to know that you have uh, a great plan for your life, that you're going to, that you're going to impact people and your gifts and strengths matter. Somebody who has a question four, uh, their message to the world might be, everybody, everybody matters. Everybody belongs. Everybody um, is welcomed. Okay. That, and so if we think about kind of our messaging to friends, strangers, to our kids, like what do we tell our kids all the time? It's probably going to reveal our primal question in that conversation. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. Pay attention Mm -hmm. to what we say to them. Hmm. I think that's interesting. How did you come up with this, Mike? Where, Where does this all come from? Is there a short answer to that? There, the, the short answer is um, I was actually in a counseling session with a client and we were about three sessions in and it was about the third hour of her complaining about her spouse and how he spent too much time on social media, would get home 15 minutes late for dinner, just all these kind of lists of complaints, right? And I was just kind of like sitting there talking to her. I'm like, this is clearly not the problem. We're not, this is not what, what the issue is. It's not him, uh, you know, get being home 15 minutes too late. And I, I literally, as I'm, I'm there, I'm like, uh, I asked her, I said, I feel like you're just wanting him to answer one thing for you. And I feel like that question that you're <laughs> asking him is, am I loved? Yeah. And, you know, do you see me? Do you value me? Do you? And she's like, that's exactly what I I want him to know. And I feel like all the stuff that he's doing is answering that question with a no. And so in that, and that was like almost five years ago. And I started doing this with more and more clients and started exploring the idea of like, could it be just one question that if we answered just this one question and got clarity on this one question and got that yes that we needed, does that change the dynamic in the relationship? And you know, a lot of lot of research on attachment theory, trauma, um, for sh- how these imprints happen. You know, we're just human sponges as kids. 
um, how core beliefs get formed. And it was just a really exciting journey how it kind of all came together. And it's been whittling down to make it as simple as possible so people can use it in their daily lives. I think I've made the mistake in marriage therapy of assuming the one question is the primal question for all. Do you love me? Right. Am I loved? Is that most, is that most common? Is there one that's more common than another? Is it it pretty well? Yeah. You know, there, the one that actually comes up the most is actually question six. Am I good enough? Um, There tends to be a spike there and then definitely a spike at, am I loved? Because those are, I think both, both really incredibly important uh, questions that I think a lot of us wonder about. Um, but I also find a lot, lot of people with uh, success questions, they want to be successful. Uh, anybody who's experienced any sort of abuse, trauma, or neglect, am I safe comes up quite a bit because there's just unfortunately a lot of um, – a lot of broken families where uh, abuse happens and tra- trauma happens. So it, it kind of runs all over the boards, but definitely am I loved? Uh, question three and question six, am I good enough? Uh, pop up quite a bit. Ah, it's, it's really lovely to know. We ask, we have a particular question for our guests, uh, dear Mike. In your mind, what is the key to a stronger marriage connection, please? Uh, well, my wife and I have been married for 28 years and, um, yeah, it's, it's been, and I, and the thing is we're, I really think we're getting stronger and better each year, but the only way that we're going to get there. And I feel like the only reason why we are here is we're telling each other the truth. Okay. And truth is really risky and feels really vulnerable. But if we can live in that place in our most important relationships, uh, we're going we're gonna to build a strong, strong marriage. You're right about that. Truth is not easy, is it? But the truth sets us free. I, I do also really believe that. Um, Mike, I don't, we don't want our listeners to miss you. What's the best place for them to find you and learn more about you and your resources, taking the assessment, including your book, The Seven Primal Questions? Yeah, so probably the best, uh, first thing I'd say is go take that assessment. It's really simple, easy, kind of get the process started. That's at mikefoster.tv. Again, television, even even though I'm not on television, but it, .tv, yeah, TV as in television. That's the best place to go. Um, the book is also there. There's also some other resources. Uh, book is also available on Amazon, Kindle, audiobook, all of that is available. And Again, my, my hope here, Dave and Liz, is that people would just begin to use this as some new language and a, a simple concept to help better understand themselves uh, and the relation and, and their most important relationships. And that's my goal here. And so just take I, I would just encourage you let's just take that first step, see if it if it makes sense for you, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, then then go back to the to, to the the five love languages or whatever <laughs> other tool you want to use because <laughs> there's lots of great resources. But um, I, I would encourage people just take that next step. Start with the assessment at my website and uh, go from there. Oh man, super helpful. Uh, yeah, we'll put these the the link that mikefoster.tv on our our show notes um, as well. Any social media and other links, uh, Mike will share with 
with others. Hey, before we let you go, uh, and you mentioned this, so I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to let you say it anyway. As far as your takeaway of the day, right? Your one message that you want listeners to remember from what we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I write about in the book is that awareness is not enough. Okay. We have to take awareness and move it into action. And so that's the only way that we grow. That's the only way we create change. And so take some action. If you want things to change, you we can't just think about it, know about it, uh, ponder it, fil- uh, have philosophical conversations with ourselves about it. We actually have to do something differently. Mm-hmm. So that, again, that assessment, that is the first step. That's kind of the awareness, but that won't do anything unless they take action. That's uh, right. That's great. Liz, what about you? What's your takeaway today with our conversation? With you know, I have to admit, I, as much as I try to pull away from childhood stuff, because I feel like the here and now is so important, I have, uh, my takeaway is really that behavioral adaptation, you know, that we get from childhood and how it makes a, a difference in our lives today, the triggers that we have, the, the um, what was the other word that Mike used? Oh, just what was missing back then. And that really does set us up a little bit. Gosh, yep, I'm going to do better. I'm going to send out the assessment to several of my couples right now. Dave, what about your takeaway? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, man, it's it feels like this really so much to a lot of, I go and present new presentations, Mike, on happiness and positivity and relationships. And it feels like this relates so close to the needs of safety, satisfaction, and connection that I talk about. I, I just feel like, man, this this just aligns so well with those, those concepts as well as I think, um, ACEs, right? These adverse childhood experiences. And that's more of this awareness of bringing awareness of these, maybe these deep, um, unmet needs, these emotional needs that you talked about. So that really resonated. Um, so I've really, really enjoyed listening to you and, and our discussion today, Mike. So thank you. Thanks Dave and Liz. It's been an honor to, to share this with you guys. And, uh, thank you too, for the work that you do to help others. I, I, uh, greatly admire you. And, and I think the idea of stronger marriages, stronger lives, it, we are, I think the three of us are definitely all in alignment that the world needs more of that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, thanks again, my friend. It was great, uh, great chatting with you. And that's all for this episode, my friends. We'll see you next time in another episode of Stronger Marriage Connection. And remember, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection. Take care now. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore and what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, 
There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.